So today, a, a very big feast day in the church. We don't oftentimes celebrate birthdays of saints. In fact, almost never. Usually in the church, when we have a, a feast day for a saint, it's almost always on the day that they died or near the day they died. And the reason for that is that, right, you and I have to learn this, that our, we're all scared of death. I'm scared of death. I know you are too. But that our death, if we've lived a good life, our death is our birth to eternal life with God. And so it's a day of great rejoicing, and it's a feast. But John the Baptist is one of the only ones we actually celebrate. We celebrate his death as well, but we celebrate today his birth. And that's because of his role in salvation history and the huge role he plays in the Gospels. So much so, so today, the reason it's today, quick story, last night I had Mass. It was, we had a dinner from our gala that was auctioned, and I said Mass, and I had this great homily all prepared for this Sunday, and I got to the house where I said Mass at, and we opened the readings, and I had prepared the wrong Sunday readings. And Dr. Ted Shree was there, who is a like, nationally renowned biblical scholar. And I was like, oh yeah, got nothing. <laughs> Why do you always do this to me? <laughs> I don't know, why am I telling that story? I have no idea. But anyway, so why is today? Why is it this time of year? Luke chapter 1 and tells us that John the Baptist is born six months ahead of Christ. Six months ahead. And if you think about it, that's where we're at. Today is June 24th, six months from the birth of Christ. And that's why we have John the Baptist's feast day now. But the early church also saw in that that the early church believed, and we believe, brothers and sisters, it's not just we who worship God. All of creation is brought together in the Mass and in the liturgy to worship God. And the, the church fathers talk all the time about how all of creation joins in this chorus of adoration, praising God. So in John chapter 1, Jesus, we're told, is the true light that comes into a dark world. The true light that comes into a dark world. And a lot of times today, you know, people will say, oh, you Christians, you stole Christmas from the pagans. But it's a complete misread of history. The ancient church took what was good in the prevailing culture, and they brought it and they showed people how it was fulfilled in Christ. And so the ancient pagans, they celebrated what's called the winter solstice, right, in December 21st, when the light begins to grow stronger. And the early Christians put the feast day of the birth of Jesus Christ very close to that day because their people in the culture were celebrating the birth of light. And our family, the church of God, said, we believe in the birth of light as well. And the true light, as John 1 says, the true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. And that's why Christmas is near this, the winter solstice. is because the true light, who is Jesus Christ, breaks into the world, and the days get longer. 
Now, the cool thing about this, today what we're going to talk about is humility. Because I think all of you are a bunch of prideful chumps. No, just kidding. We're going to talk about humility, but there's this wonderful line, a great memorization verse. It's so good, brothers and sisters. It's so good to have scripture dwell inside of you. In Colossians 3, St. Paul says, let the word of Christ in all of its richness dwell inside of you. Right? In our culture, we memorize song lyrics and movie titles. What if, what if living inside of you was the word of Jesus Christ? What if it just lived inside of you and the way you saw the world, you'd say, hey, remember that? Instead of saying, I remember that line from Tommy Boy, you say, remember that line in Colossians 3? So today, a great memorization verse, John 3.30, so simple. John 3.30, John the Baptist is speaking and he says, he's referring to Jesus and he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. So simple, John 3.30. He must increase, but I must decrease. And isn't it beautiful today that at the feast of John the Baptist, who says that he must decrease, we're so close to the summer solstice, and the light begins to dim. Because John must fade so that Christ may increase. So beautiful. So two big lessons John the Baptist has to teach us today. Two, two huge ones. And the first one, brothers and sisters, is this. If you read scripture, right, John comes and he preaches this baptism of repentance. In fact, in, in Mark, Mark chapter 1, it says, As it was written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That's John, he's crying out in the wilderness. And Mark 1, 4, it says, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance. So John comes, and what he's going to say to all of us, his, his verse is repent. Change your life. Open your heart. Origen in the second century says, he quotes this line, right? Uh, Prepare the way of the Lord. And he says, what, what sort of way am I supposed to prepare? What kind of way does God want me to prepare for him? Is it, am I supposed to go do something and build a road, you know, outside? Am I supposed to go evangelize people? And Origen says, no, no, no. The way the Lord desires you to prepare is in your soul. And here's the first lesson John the Baptist has for us today, brothers and sisters. There are some truths you can only understand when you cleanse your heart. There are some truths you can only understand when you cleanse your heart. You ever met a smart person who 
they're smart about and they're really gifted in one area, so then they think they know everything about everything. You ever notice that? You're like, yes, I'm looking at one, right? That happens sometimes when we're successful in one area. We think we know everything about everything. I meet, I meet people like this sometimes. You know, we think of like your, the movie stars who get up and they think they can talk about ethics, right? And certainly they can. They're, they're free to use their voice. But just because they're a good actor doesn't mean they know anything more than you do about ethics, right? There, there's a friend of mine. He's a, he's a priest friend. And actually, let's, let's make pick on me. We'll flip. I won't talk about him. One of my temptations, right, one of my temptations is to kind of stir everything back to Lord's. Like, I'll be in a conversation with people, and they'll be like, man, I really like, um, I love Mozart. And I'm like, you know who, you know what, like, instrument Mozart loved? He loved the violin. Do you know that Our Lady of Lourdes has violin? <laughs> Do you know what an amazing place it is? There's kind of a cool priest there, right? There's a temptation to do that, right? And brothers and sisters, there's some truths. Smart people, sometimes they know things about one area. And you can grow really smart about physics and know all kinds of things about science, and that's awesome. That doesn't mean you know everything. And the way God has designed the world is that His truth, which in fact is Him, there is a certain type of truth that you can only come to on your knees. There is a certain kind of truth you can only approach when you get on your knees. And so John the Baptist preaches a baptism of repentance to prepare the way And if you're going to see God, right, you have to humble yourself. The church fathers, there's a psalm they love to quote that says, God resists the proud, but he lifts up the lowly. If you're prideful, God will not allow you to see his glory. So the first lesson today, brothers and sisters, is that if you want to come to truth, Right? It's not just about being smart. Seeing things rightly has a great amount to do with how you live your life. If you live a moral life, if you lay an origin says, which way of the Lord should we prepare? Is it not an interior way? Do I not have to prepare my heart for him? Do I not have to lay low the mountains of my pride? Do I not have to repent of that sin in that area of my life that I keep from God. We cannot make God reveal himself to us, brothers and sisters, but we can prepare the way. We can do that. So that's the first lesson. I'm constantly challenged by this, by the way. I was last night with, at that dinner with some parishioners there were just some beautiful conversation. And there was a wonderful moment where I just, I was like, Lord, I, gosh, I need to repent. There's just some things in my life that I have not given over to you. And I love it. We're, you and I are supposed to inspire each other. 
we're supposed to call each other on to a deeper holiness. And these, these people at dinner, I just thought, what beautiful, faithful Catholics. And Jesus, I want to be a better priest because of them. So good, so beautiful. The second point tonight, it feels like night, doesn't it? It's like clouds are out. The second point this morning is that is about humility. So, some of you younger people might not know this name, but a lot of you will. So, everybody, you guys remember Scotty Pippen? This means yes, this means no. Don't just stare at me. Yeah. So, so a lot of people don't know who Scotty Pippen is. And here's the irony about this. Scotty Pippen is one of the greatest basketball players in the history of the NBA. Like, one of the best. Probably in the top 10 of all time. Certainly top 20. Just a phenomenal basketball player. And so Scottie Pippen, like, he, all, he, he was at the top of the list in all kinds of categories. Uh, he could measure up about, against just about anybody. And no one knows him. No one thinks about Scottie Pippen for one big reason. Because his teammate was Michael Jordan. And if you don't know who Michael Jordan is, you can't be a Catholic. <laughs> so <laughs> go repent. I'll talk to you next week. No. Michael Jordan is objectively the greatest basketball player in the history of the world. Don't talk to me about Steph Curry or LeBron James. Grow up and mature. It was Michael Jordan. So when you watch Michael Jordan on the court, it was magical. I remember watching him as a kid, and it was just like, this guy is not human. He's not human. The grace with which he played the game, the way he dominated the sport, he changed basketball forever. And the amazing thing is that Scottie Pippen, his teammate on the Bulls, the Chicago Bulls in the 90s, if Scottie Pippen was on any other team in the NBA, he would have been their best player. Any other team. And I remember thinking as a kid, why doesn't Scottie Pippen go to another team? Right, isn't that the temptation? Or like you could think of the NFL, back in the days of Joe Montana, Steve Young was the, probably the like, third best quarterback in the NFL, but the starter was Joe Montana. And why didn't they go? Why didn't they go to a different team? And I, I don't know, I haven't talked to them. Maybe one of these days I'll call them. But the reason I think they didn't do it is because what they cared about more than being the center of attention was they cared about winning championships. And so Scottie Pippen was happy to play number two if it was going to get them to the ultimate goal. And brothers and sisters, we have a great lesson to learn from that. You've heard me one more time. I just can't not say the line. Humility remedies, it saves us from what I like to call being spiritual sanguines. Right? The motto of the sanguine is, enough about me, what do you think about me? Right? I love that line. Enough about me, what do you think about me? You and I in Christianity, we have made this the case. We have made Christianity about us. 
I've done it too. I have made, in my life, I have made Christianity about me. So often my prayer is about Jesus. When are you going to do that thing I want you to do for me? Lord, where is my life going? How come you haven't fixed this? Oh, by the way, how come the culture in my time isn't what I think it should be? Lord, I need you to fix that so that I can be more comfortable. Christianity is not about you. It's not about you. It is not about you. It is not about you. It is not about how you feel at Mass. It is not about whether or not you got something out of the sermon. It is not about whether or not God has fixed your life. The, one of the words to worship in Greek is proskuneo. And it literally means to bend the knee. Have you learned yet to bend your knee to God? To say, Lord, instead of making my worship a way of tricking you into serving my purposes, Lord, I bend my knee. John the Baptist knew that. In John chapter 1, there's such a beautiful line. It's so simple. John 1, 6, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for testimony to bear witness to the light. Hear that again. I just love that just so simply. He came for testimony to bear witness to the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. St. Augustine says that the, the, if you want to understand human beings, if you really want to understand what it means to be a human being, you have to understand that you and I want to be God and in the, in the disordered sense. That's part of original sin. Is that I want to be God. I want to be someone who's all-powerful. I want to know all things. I want the world to revolve around me. I don't ever want to age. I don't ever want to be weak. All of those things are attributes of God. But you are not the light. 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 He is. And the quicker you realize that, the quicker you admit that to yourself, there is such joy and freedom. Because you can't be the light unless you worship him. And that's how Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he does say to the church, 
He says to you and I, he says, you are the light of the world. But that's only possible, brothers and sisters, because first, the true light which enlightens every man, which was coming into the world, who is Jesus Christ, you can only be the light if he has first illuminated you. And then you can be a light. And T. Wright, I, I understand why they move priests. I'm not moving. That's how rumors get started. But I find ever, over time, I'm like, I, I just quote the same quotations. But I guess deal with it. I don't know what else to tell you. N.T. Wright says that most Christians need to go through what's called a, what he calls a Copernican revolution, right? Copernicus, the astronomer who discovered that the earth didn't go around the, or I'm sorry, that the sun did not go around the earth, but rather that the earth went around the sun. And N.T. Wright says, most of us, we have made Christianity about us. My salvation, my happiness, my prayer life, my fulfillment, my comfort. But the sun does not go around the earth. Jesus Christ does not exist for you. You exist for him. The earth revolves around the sun, not vice versa. Don't you love that? <laughs> Have you ever met somebody who's humble? They're the best people to be around. People who are humble, they're, they're not easily offended. Their hearts are fixated on something other than themselves. They have a freedom and a joy that the rest of us lack. And John the Baptist is the model of that. So how do we get there? And one last point this morning. Brothers and sisters, of course God cares about your life. Of course he wants to enter it. I think he probably cares about your comfort a little less than you do. He cares about your salvation, but he doesn't just care about your salvation. Jesus Christ is the king. He is the Messiah. He is the son of God. He is the one. His mission is to make all things as they should be. All things. And if you're a real Christian, if you've been given the gift of faith and hope and love, what he does with you and I is he says, come with me. He says, there, there's something so big, there's a mission so beautiful and so good that I'm, I'm going to the cross for that mission. I'm going to die for that mission because it's so good, it's so beautiful, it's so true. I will give my life for that mission. And if you love him, if you have faith, he doesn't say, gosh, take a rest, sit on the couch. I got this. What Jesus says to you and to me is he says, come with me. Come with me. Come bear witness to the light. Right? Suffer for something that matters. Get over yourself. Get over your comfort. Get over your pride and your ego. Get over your future. You're going to die someday anyway. But if you come with me, you'll live for all eternity.
such a beautiful day. Brothers and sisters, today, those two lessons. John the Baptist speaks to you and I this morning. He says, repent, prepare the way of the Lord. If you want to understand God, you want to grow close to him, prepare your heart. Cast out sin. And then you'll be free to bear witness to the light. You'll know that you're not the center of the world, that you never could have been the center of the world, and that our joy and our freedom is in bearing witness to the true light that enlightens every human being. Jesus, Lord, free me from my pride. I am so prideful. Lord, I'm vain, and I worry too much about myself, and I worry about tomorrow, and I worry if I'm good enough, and I worry about how my life's going to go, and that enslaves me. Jesus, set me free. Let me gaze on your light, your truth, and your salvation. Lord, grant me humility, grant all of us humility here today. Lord, may I lose my life for you, that I might gain it for all eternity. St. John the Baptist, pray for us.